the incomparable. Number 271, November 2015. Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Stell. We are here uh, with a special, uh, timely, breaking news uh, edition of The Incomparable because just this week, uh, CBS announced that it's happening. There's a new Star Trek TV series in the works uh, to appear on your screen in January of 2017 not this january it'll be a year from this january but still first uh, new star trek in on tv in a decade here to talk about the ramifications this is like the star trek version of a star wars trailer analysis uh to talk about the ramifications of this what what our dreams and hopes are for a new star trek and uh some of the interesting choices that are being made by cbs i'm joined by a panel of people who have things to say about star trek uh first and foremost a host of random trek on this very incomparable network mr scott mcnulty hi scott i'm very excited to be here i hope that this uh the title of the new star trek series is going to be csi star trek it's, it's possible <laughs> did you read the book oh no wait it's not a book club episode um <laughs> uh, also here i wouldn't do a star trek podcast without her it is brianna Wu. hello what's up i'm really looking forward to hearing dan Morin sing the star trek lyrics that uh that gene roddenberry wrote at the end of the show i'm really looking forward <laughs> to that Dan, I can't wait to hear it. Here is Dan Morin, Beyond it. the Room yes. of the Starlight. Um, I love Wanders in Starflight. I know that in star-studded reaches, <laughs> love, love, strange love a star woman teaches. Dan Morin is here. Hi, Dan. Hi, I'm, I'm really <laughs> delighted to be here to talk about the second best science fiction franchise with oh, star boo. in the name. Oh, yeah, I did it. Oh. So Come on. Eject this Dan, man from I'm the here call. in Boston. I will drive to your house. <laughs> I will do that. <laughs> Frank will drive the car. And I will run to CVS and buy toilet paper, and I will toilet paper go. your house. I think that's only right. That's fair. That's fair. I can tell I you could, where Actually, I could use some toilet paper, yeah. so if you could pick so, me up some that'd be great. And uh, also David J. Lohr is here. Hello. Hello. I'm I'm also very excited. I just, I didn't see the whole Chuck Lorre executive producing thing coming. <laughs> I think it's strange that they're having the Muppets in Star Trek. I don't know what that's about. Strange? That's awesome. That's the best idea I've heard all night. <laughs> Pigs in space. So uh, we should say we should say why we're here and what what's going on. So CBS announced. <laughs> it, 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 let me know if you know why we're here. No, on on Monday, November second, twenty fifteen, CBS announced that they are going to do a new Star Trek show. It is not one of these like we're going to do a pilot. Uh, it, it, they have a series commitment, although I haven't read how many episodes. I think that's kind of unclear. Is it going to be ten or thirteen or seven or I, I think they don't it, know yet. It doesn't uh, say. It doesn't say. It's a, a co-production between CBS Television Studios, which a, after the uh, Viacom-CBS sort of merger and uncoupling, uh, basically Paramount owns the uh, – Paramount and CBS share the movie rights. So there, there are the Star Trek films – or share the rights to Star Trek. There are the Star Trek films and TV rights, theoretically, are part of CBS. It's this weird kind of marriage and shared franchise. But CBS – it seems to be the agreement. CBS gets the TV rights. Paramount gets the movie rights. So they're moving ahead with a TV series. They are not going to show it on CBS or the CW or Showtime, which are things that are owned or partially owned by CBS. They're going to show the premiere on CBS, and then it was – it's going to move to CBS All Access, which is their digital platform. It is their own little CBS version of Netflix or Hulu. So that's kind of an interesting thing that we can talk about. Because only nerds like Star Trek, Because only nerds clearly. like Star Trek and nerds are on the internet and have computers <laughs> where they can watch TV shows. And it's going to be produced by Alex Kurtzman, who is one of the writers on the on the first two J.J. Abrams uh, movies. It's also relevant because Alex Kurtzman... Uh, is has a deal at CBS, so he knows Star Trek. He has a deal at CBS. His production company, which is um, which it's sort of spun out of of uh, the work that he was doing with J.J. Abrams for his production company, is uh, is producing shows for CBS. So it's a known quantity with a deal at CBS who has a history with Star Trek. So it kind of makes sense. But he is not actually slated to be the showrunner. Alex Kurtzman is basically interviewing people to be the writer on the project, which means, yes, there's no showrunner. There seems to be no script and uh, yet it's been it's got a, a premiere date and has been committed to to series, not even to pilot. So uh, really interesting uh, 
times. And I guess we should start there, although eventually we're going to get around to, I think, what our hopes and, and dreams are for uh, for new Star Trek on our screens. But let's start there. What do you think about this idea that it's not going to be... We, we, we've we debated in the past on this on this very podcast about uh, what's the right place for Star Trek to be and does it make sense on, C, uh, on CBS or does it make sense on the CW or does it make sense straight to Netflix? And instead, what we've got is CBS All Access. So let's start there. What do you think about the idea that this is going to be a digital stream project i mean i will go watch star trek anywhere they can put it on the dollar cinema here i will go see it you know if they if i have to pay a subscription fee at cbs to see this i will happily do that um that said you know i i know i'm not the only person that's going gosh do i really need another streaming service that i pay for every single month it's hard enough to justify hbo go so you know i will i will bite and i will do this but you know i i I think it's like cbs trying like a a hail mary Mm. to kind of be relevant in the streaming age uh you know the apple tv has come out recently i think that channel vision is going to become increasingly popular yeah i think they're they're trying to find a way to survive in this era is this something that's going to catch on and become a hulu or a netflix or an hbo go no of course not but you know i'm still gonna give them my ten dollars i read i read a story that said that uh that uh, warner is thinking of retrenching um, on what it offers on streaming and sort of like recalibrating to not have their latest the latest seasons of their shows go to Netflix which is I you know I it'll be interesting to see what the what the streaming landscape is in more than a year anyway well, that's because, the thing right it's yeah. like what you know if you're really banking on this to like make your service sell then maybe you know pre-announcing it like more than a year out is a little weird I mean I, I don't know I find that strange because if it really if they really are like you know, worried about, you know, making this this service solvent, then you feel like they wouldn't pin all their hopes on something that's not even in existence yet. Well, and they've, they've said that that CBS All Access, this is the first of um, other of, of scripted shows that they're going to do, and they're going to do more of them. So they they fancy themselves as having, you know, originals just like uh, just like you would on Netflix and and that they're trying to make something of this. But whether they already have original programming. It's the thing that makes no <laughs> sense. They're a network. You know, they want to do streaming originals on top of they want everything dan i know it just it's weird they do want to be able to make more shows that appeal to more people uh you know they don't just want to be the geriatric network but it's working for them i mean they're getting huge ratings they're getting huge advertising dollars but you know it sort of makes sense to me that they're doing this and it makes sense to me that they did this now because uh you know the cbs app just showed up i still have a third generation apple tv but it just showed up last week on the screen and i went oh what's it like and it has it has some bugs it has some quirks it's not great but this way they get in right on on the heels of you know hey the apple tv is out now and there's all these cool apps and here's this thing that you're going to want to subscribe to and we'll work all the bugs out in the next year you know i just i just find i find it a strange proposition especially because i think that star trek is you know, even if it's been off the air, you know, we have had movies and it's as a franchise, it is such a powerhouse of a franchise and it has well, such yeah. a devoted cult following that or cult following, I don't know. It has such a devoted following, period. It is such a popular franchise. You could very easily put this on broadcast TV with no problems. I mean, in the same way that they're trotting out Supergirl, you know, to sort of anchor their their, you know, younger appealing demographic. I don't see any reason why you couldn't have both Star Trek on broadcast and in on streaming as they do with because everything else in their CBS app is also something that is, you know, broadcast on CBS. So I it's strange for now. But, you know, I, I, I think you're right. I've been saying they should be on CBS for, you know, since 10 years ago um, because it is universal. I mean, my father, who is in his mid 70s, is a Star Trek fanatic. You know, he will watch it wherever it is. Um, so yeah, th- th- this is, it, it should be on the network. It, it just makes sense there. It seems to me like it's a weird endorsement of Star Trek almost in a way. Cause they're basically saying like, we want, we want to do, we want to build Everything a streaming business and we could do it with Star Trek. Like with that, this will help us, <laughs> help us get there. And, and, um, and it's, it's valid in that way, but I think you're right. How many subscriptions are we going to have? Um, I wonder if they had that moment where they're like, well, we could sell this to Netflix and then less moon. This is like, or <laughs> we could <laughs> well, have it be our own <laughs> thing. <laughs> but I mean, 
isn't this exactly what they did with UPN? Like I remember when Voyager came out in the nineties, and yep. like they got a tentpole. We've got our own franchise, network. and and <laughs> that's right. And Voyager was the reason you tuned in to go over there and watch that and check it out. And you know, every cycle has done that. I mean, in the seventies, you had all the news about Star Trek Phase Two was going to be the cornerstone of the Paramount TV network, and mm-hmm. then it fell through and became the movie because Star Wars hit big. And then when Next Generation came out, it was the cornerstone of the Paramount Syndication Entertainment Network. And you had one or two other shows packaged with it. And then you had Voyager, which is, oh, well, that's going to be the beginning of our own network again. And so it it is sort of like this tradition now. It's like, we'll start this whole new thing with Star Trek. Well, it's also CBS. You know, keep in mind, CBS is also the only of only of the major broadcast networks to not be a part of Hulu, too. So yep. they've already sort of, you know carve their own little niche out yeah, that's what cbs all access is, is it's essentially right, exactly. hulu for cbs yeah but for the cost of all the other programming <laughs> well and the one thing that cbs is really and less moonves is really good at is getting people to pay for cbs programming right yeah so that's right cbs is gets a lot of guff about being you know oh only old people watch it but they're making tons and tons of money and oh, hand uh, over fist. they're getting lots of money with retransmission fees. They are always the network that's fighting the hardest to get the most money. And this is a genius idea to launch because, you know, you're reading the tea leaves. They have their own streaming service. I bet not a lot of people pay for it. Although in this uh, press release, they say they have the most ever people who are paying for it now, <laughs> sure. which is fine. Compared to last year. <laughs> yeah, and now but... they're going to get a whole bunch of people who are like, I didn't even know what C- CBS All Access was before this news. But now everybody's talking about it and are going to sign up. And maybe there'll be even some people who, because right now all of Star Trek series is on, are on CBS All Access. So maybe people will even sign up beforehand and, and watch everything before the new one comes up. I will say I'm already subscribed to it. I subscribed right when Colbert started because I knew I was going to miss the first couple of nights of the show. And I wanted to see them for obvious reasons. And so I was like, all right, I'll try the free trial. And then I left it on because, well... At the very least, I'm I'm going to catch that, and I might need to catch Supergirl. Um, I don't really watch anything else on there yet. But, but... They, they're going to program other stuff, too. I mean, presumably yeah. they'll, they'll oh, yeah. program stuff around Star Trek, because this is a big thing. So they'll have, like, the Star Trek Confidential, like it's the Doctor Who model on the BBC. Oh, they'll have yeah. a bunch oh. of stuff around it. They'll announce some new Talking shows. Trek. And uh, I think oh. that's all good. And, and you know, we, we are living in an era where Am- where Amazon and uh, Netflix are winning Emmy Awards and are, are well well known. The only problem, and I mentioned this to Dan when we were talking about this earlier, is CBS, you know, Amazon and Netflix, that's what they do. CBS has, like channels that they can put shows on and it, i think it's a really interesting business move i'm disappointed in the sense that you'd like them to put it on cbs and have a chance for it to go big at the same time i think it is far more likely to be a success that can continue year after year on streaming than the bar that you have to reach in terms of viewers on cbs in terms of and, raw viewers and there it's there's no there's no rule that says that they can't put it on cbs if all of a sudden everyone is watching i had it. that thought if it was a huge hit they might be like you know we are going to show it on cbs a couple weeks delayed or something exactly. like that just change yeah. the rules i mean the 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 interesting thing is you know so it's like six bucks a month and you still i mean every night on the colbert rerun you get three ads at every break uh, often the same ones over oh, and over oh yeah les moonvis said that they're considering an, a hulu model where you can pay ten dollars and not see ads although although it wouldn't shock me it wouldn't shock me if star trek had limited or no ads on it guys just cut, it's just cut to the show. chase it's it, just make it star trek all access yeah i think it's really important here that i think sometimes when we talk about star trek there's obviously a tendency to look at it through our own experiences and i think it's really important to kind of think about what the the long-term play is here for Star Trek's future. I don't know anyone in their 20s that, like, enthusiastically, I guess I know, you know, that enthusiastically pays for cable, right? So I I think that this is a really interesting move because, yes, they can do the traditional thing and put it out on, um, you know, the air. They can put it on CBS, and yes, it will you know, sell some, you'll have some downloads on Apple TV, you know, you'll be able to get it. But I don't think it's a long term move. I think that, you know, for Star Trek to survive, we have an entire generation of people that think Star Trek are these last two 
kind of one is good, one is very mediocre movies. And they don't really understand what it's like to learn about a cast, to come to love them over season after season. So I think if this is really going to work, you have to think about this in the generational sense. And like, what is it going to take to get, you know, those teenagers, those 20-somethings out there to really watch this show and love it? And for that reason, I think this is a really smart move for them. Absolutely. I mean, all... Everything my kids watch these days is pretty much on one of the streaming services. And uh, something Bree mentioned, you know, when we've done the, our Star Trek Debate Club episodes in the past, we it always comes up that whatever Star Trek was like your Star Trek, and it has a lot to do with when you found Star Trek and when it hit you. And uh, although the movies have been fairly successful, so there are younger people who have a perception of Star Trek that that has uh, that that having the J.J. Abrams movies out there as opposed to like nothing uh, has been positive. But I think you're absolutely right that you want to have a uh, you, you need to have that kind of TV relationship with Star Trek for you really to make a new generation of fans. And and when you think about when the rumors were about them being on Netflix, because it turns out Star Trek really streams well on like Netflix, on Netflix, it does really well. And I think it probably is going to do well on CBS as service to the old episodes that this is an interesting idea of like, you know, building up excitement about a Star Trek series run in the in a similar way to Daredevil or Jessica Jones coming on Netflix. I think that's right. pretty cool. And and that's been my problem with the movies, right? Like Star Wars is a saga and it makes sense to be giant movies and they kind of retrofit series around it. Whereas Star Trek is is at heart. It's about exploration. It's about all different kinds of stories. And that's been my problem with the J.J. movies in general is is that they're trying to make these big, giant, epic things, which it can be. But that's not the charm that's, of Star that's Trek. That's right. I, yeah, I, I agree completely. Before I want to, I want to talk about what this might be and what we'd like it to be, what we'd like to see. But uh, I want to, before I do that, anything more people want to say about sort of like the mechanics of this, of it going on streaming and and uh, and, and things like that. Can we can we say something for just a second about the writer? Because you know, I, I think it's very telling that the the one person they're kind of bringing on that has some bona fides with, you know, in the writer's room was more tied to the J.J. Abrams movies. Mm -hmm. And I thought 2009 Star Trek was successful. I have seen Into Darkness about six or seven times at this point. That movie is not good. Mm. It is a it fun thrill ride. It, it does. It. it I, I you like know, it. Parts I under, of it make no sense, but I. I do. Right. I actually oh, like it a lot. As, as a, there okay, are good well, things. We in can it. disagree there, and you know the the design work is fine, but it really, really worries me because what I think those movies do is they, I. It's like someone is wearing the suit of Star Trek. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Where they've taken it and made it a really fun action movie, and you have the same characters, but the core of it is missing. Well, that's the I challenge think. of it being a film franchise. I think that goes back to to what uh, what David said, which is Star Trek as a as a, a summer tentpole action movie franchise isn't really how much Star Trek can it be. I think it's to the credit of the 2007 movie that it is even 2007 2009 the 2009 2009, yeah. 2009 movie that that it's even feels like Star Trek in any way because uh it is a summer action movie tentpole. I mean, it is it is very hard to to do what Star Trek does well when when you have to serve that because that's what that's what TV is good at. I will say Kurtzman, you know, is a Star Trek fan. He gets Star Trek. And I think the reason that he's been brought in here is because, again, he's got to deal with CBS and he's got some Star Trek track record. Star Trek track record. That's really easy to say. <laughs> say that it's a track track. It's Star a track Trek record. Trek track, track record. record. Um, it's a trick. But, uh, you know, it's not Paramount. It's CBS. They're different. There is no guarantee that it's going to be related to the J.J. Abrams like timeline in any way. And I think I think it's encouraging and also telling that Kurtzman is not being mooted as the showrunner here. He's a producer with his production company. They're like, basically, who do we know who knows anything about Star Trek? Oh, Kurtzman. He does Hawaii Five-0 um, and The Limitless. Let's have him do it. Um, and, he kind of feels and, like he's in the J.J. Abrams role yeah, in a lot of the J.J. Yeah. shows. He's looking for happened. a showrunner. He's looking for a writer with a vision for this thing, and he's not—he's not it. And so I'm actually kind of encouraged by that because he knows enough about Star Trek to get it, but it's not going to be his show. And and the thing I like about that, and, and I've said this before about the J.J. movies, is that you know, like like you said about uh, wearing the suit of Star Trek, I mean, J.J. retrofit that into. Uh, Jim Kirk being a chosen one like Luke Skywalker. And he is famously a Star Wars fan and not a Star Trek fan. 
And, you know, I always liked the idea that Jim Kirk was the captain we focused on, but there were like 11 other starships out there also having adventures, and they were also pretty good to get to be the captains of these starships. So it was like, he's just a guy doing his job, right? And that's, I mean, that sort of carries over to the other He just, he just works in outer space. Right. And, <laughs> um, you know, so this, it's it's kind of bringing it back to that, because I'm, you know, they're not going to use the same characters, obviously. Uh, we don't want to confuse people, because people are dumb, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I could I could watch two different Kirks, and I'd be okay with that. Captain but, Kim Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I like the thought that we are going to get a different captain and a different ship that's part of this universe, whether it's the old universe or the new one. It makes sense to be in the new one. I hope it's not a captain and a ship, because I feel like we've had several other series that do that exact thing. So let's try something else. Well, yeah. <laughs> The Incomparable this week is sponsored by Tales Untold. You know, uh, my kids are 11 and 14. And when they were growing up, we did a lot of TiVoing of a lot of Nickelodeon shows and uh, characters that were really annoying over time. Uh, kids' videos were not much better. We we would navigate to the good ones, but there were so many bad ones. So bad. Bad music, repetitive stuff, ads. This is not what you will get from Tales Untold. Tales Untold is an app. It features original episodic audio stories for children. In other words, these are podcasts for kids, but they won't make the ears of the parents bleed either. There aren't squeaky voices. There aren't annoying characters. Same map! Same map! Absolutely no ads. You can feel good about kids listening to it. Every tale is organized in this uh, system of episodes and seasons like TV shows, so it makes sense as the stories continue, and there are new seasons and new tales added regularly. I really like Radbert. I've mentioned him before. He is a monster, but he is learning how to be a monster, and he's not very good at being bad right now. I think that's a lot of fun. There's Inspector Nine, which is about uh, a little fellow named Miles Fenby, who has a regular house and a regular family, and then he meets Inspector Nine, and uh, you can imagine where it goes from there. They've got Trunk Show about a treasure chest, Trouble with Wishes, which involves a forest gnome granting wishes, those complicated wishes, the kind that you uh, have to have really good wish casting skills or uh, bad things happen. Anyway, the Tales Untold app, it's free. It comes loaded with the first episode of every tale, so you can try it out, find out which ones you like, find out which ones your kids like. You can give them all a listen, and then you go into the parent zone inside the app, and you can buy a full season of 10 episodes for two ninety nine, so a pretty good deal too. Learn more and check out free episodes at talesuntold.com slash incomparable. And thank you to Tales Untold for sponsoring the Incomparable. Well let's so let's talk about where where they could go, because I'm I'm fascinated by this. Like what elements we want to see, what we think might be places that they may go and and, and uh and then we'll we'll come back in you know, 13, 14 months and we'll compare notes. <laughs> Scott, so Scott, you, you say the, the old captain and ship paradigm, while a classic, is also kind of played out. What would you like to see instead of that? That's a good question. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> would, It's not so easy, is it? It is not so easy. That's that's the problem. I, I make no... Uh, like, they're not going to call me up and say, hey, Scott, do you want to be the showrunner for the new Star Trek mm. series? Not and now. if they did... I would say you are in deep trouble, <laughs> and I weep for the future of Star Trek. Uh, but if you'd like me to do a podcast about it, I will. Um, the uh, I have always liked the uh, the temporal uh, what is it uh, section section thirty one. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like that could be an interesting show. Uh, and so they could, you know, time travel all over the place. They can do all kinds of wacky stuff. It's the seedy underbelly of the Federation. Uh, and I feel like that would be an interesting uh, and, you know, quote unquote, edgy uh, thing to do. Well, it would be Dr. Trek. <laughs> well, not necessarily. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I agree with Scott. There's an interesting, you know, an interesting dynamic. And the, the, thing, the, the thing about Star Trek, like David said, is, it does sort of support all these different ideas. Like if you wanted to do sort of a a more of a like almost thriller aspect, you could do that. If you want to do just, you know, pure up exploration, you can do that. And you can meld all these different topics. I mean, that's the if you want to say, you know, the, the thing that was sort of to me always the highlight of Next Generation is that it could support all those different tones and ideas from week to week. You could just go from being a comedy to being a serious thought provoking drama and you can cover all the bases. Um, you know, on the on the flip side, you know, you have something like 
you know, DS9, which has such a long running plot thread and arc to it that it really just became this very in- integrated, very complex drama with all these different moving parts, which I love. That's my favorite of the series. Um, but, you know, Star Trek as a as a vehicle lets you do all those different things because it's so versatile. And that's that's kind of one of the joys of it. Bree, what would you like to see in terms of the premise? Well, I want to see us move away from, um, you know, Kirk and, you know, Picard. I feel like, I feel like that as a universe has been adequately explored at this point. One of the, um, I, I, I forget who, who wrote this pilot that they were trying to get through a few years ago, but I heard this and I loved it. It was, um, the, an idea of a Star Trek TV show that took place at the, at like kind of after Voyager, where the Federation had grown fat and happy and kind of decadent, and rather than use their technology to explore, they used it to create themselves more and more comfortable lifestyles. And you know, eventually, a um, you know, a, a descendant of Kirk came on what became to be the Enterprise, and you know, discovered a new threat to the Federation. And not them really want that particular script, but what I appreciated about that that story is science fiction at its best kind of mirrors the conflict that we see in our society. This is why I'm such a big fan of Heinlein, that he 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 was so insightful at taking like this um era of paranoia and kind of really mirroring that conflict. So I want to see a Star Trek that is relevant for 2015 or 2017 when it comes out rather than trying to like capture these echoes of the past because i mean look i I love those i love every one of those crews and ships but i want to see new adventures and i think something that's really really key for that is you know my biggest criticism of the abrams star treks is it's primarily an adventure for boys and i don't think that they include women so what i want to see is an adventure that kind of reflects the wider Trek audience. And I want to see it like reflect the greater society tensions today. And I'll just say one more thing. Um, Jason, something I think about all the time when I think about Star Trek is your observation. You were saying that like Voyager seemed like a repetition to you because you'd seen all these shows leading up to it. And I've really been thinking a lot about how do you bring Star Trek out in 2015, 2017, and not fall into that trap of like, okay, let's put out another Enterprise episode, another Voyager episode, like these same science fiction plot lines that Star Trek kind of recycles at a certain point. And I don't know if the way you do it is to kind of pull a a born and make it a little bit more realistic. I don't know if you get a little bit more esoteric and, and like um, you know the first Trek movie was, but I think they've got to put some kind of spin on it because I think just recycling that same formula is not going to be successful. I, I think Bree makes a really good point about the reflecting the the time that you're in. And I, you know, while she was talking about that, I was just thinking that the best example of that in recent years that I can think of was the occupation story arc in Battlestar Galactica in the reboot, right. which was mm-hmm. did a fantastic job of taking something that was a very thorny issue that was coming up in, you know, in our own society at that time and explored it through a different lens. And so it would there is so much interesting stuff to pick apart right now in where our our society is and where it's going that, you know, science fiction is always such a good mirror to be able to sort of you know, look at that, but kind of distort it in a way that makes you think and makes you sort of extrapolate from where it is. So I agree that finding someone who is willing to take that because it can be risky too. You know, you can you risk alienating people with that kind of thing. But I think it's it's valuable and it should be done. David, uh, what what do you think about uh, where they should go? I mean, we've talked about all sorts of things in the past, but I'm just right now thinking of of the one shot here. What kind of thing would you like to see as a as a premise? No, I mean basically, it's it's the one idea that I've I've come back to over and over again, of and 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 which would you know we've talked about it working at at a Netflix, it would work gangbusters here, especially since they are selling it as come see this and all the other series are here too, um, is to do something where it is story arcs, and then you can have a little bit of all of those kind of concepts. You can have the exploration ship. You can have the time travel. You can have the intrigue at Starfleet Command. Or, you know, it can be any kind of thing. It can be short arcs, long arcs. They can all interweave into one another. And because they're 
they seem to be coming around to the idea that we can make this niche programming for the people that really want it. And maybe we don't have faith in it going on the network, but we'll put it on this thing and see how many people pay for it. Um, they can, they don't have to worry about it being the exact same CSI episode every damn week, right? It's not the same Criminal Minds episode every damn week. They can do something a little more interesting like that. Um, so yeah, I would, I would do the not quite anthology idea and that can that you know you could you could go through any of the eras that we've already had uh, or you could do like the idw comic book series is doing which is doing a surprisingly good job of this um they're taking the jj universe and retelling stories but they're variations and doing kind of interesting variations on things we already know so that fans, you know, longtime fans are going to get it. They're going to get the Tribble story, but it's a totally different Tribble story. It's going to the Tribble's homeworld. And, oh, that's interesting. Um, but then new people aren't going to be feel left out because it's all references, right? You know, there's sort of that sense of, yes, they're reliving these kind of things, but it's it's a little more interesting that way. And then if you go back to the original ones, you go, oh, that's what that meant, and that's what this meant. Um, because I, I think at heart, at, at, at its core, it's always going to be a captain in a ship, because it is called Star Trek. It's about movement. And we can't assume that my kids are going to have that history of seeing all 700 and however many hours of Trek. So, you know, they're going to come into it fresh. They're going to be like, oh, it's a guy on a ship or a, a woman on a ship and they're, they're multicultural crew and they're going off and discovering things. And there's still room to do all that other stuff around it. This week's episode of The Incomparable is brought to you in part by Harry's. Now, uh, somebody asked me the other day if I was going to do Movember this year. I don't know about this. A friend of mine is doing this. Um, that's the month where uh, guys grow mustaches. It's all about um, raising uh, money and awareness about men's health issues. I uh, I love Harry's shaving products uh, so much that I will never grow anything resembling a mustache. <laughs> I am a clean-shaven kind of guy. But Harry's is the official razor partner of Movember. I find it really funny because, of course, that's a month where you're not shaving at least some of your face. Uh, but you should just definitely check it out if you're interested in taking the plunge. Now, I do use Harry's stuff every day. I use Harry's razors. Uh, they give me a close shave. The uh, I just, in fact, got an, a new order of stuff from Harry's, some new shaving lotion and some new blades. It's a good deal. Uh, the, uh, the, the lotion is delightful smells a little faint mint smell i like it a lot and the blades are really high quality um and uh, my shave is good and i you know again i just really like harry's stuff and i'm uh, not just saying that i really mean it i shave with harry's every day i shave sometimes i skip a day uh, but i never skip harry's when i'm shaving harry's was started by a couple of guys who are really passionate about creating a better shaving experience by delivering an amazing shave at an affordable price and it comes directly to your door in a box. Uh, it's, a, it's a superior shave for an incredible price, and getting started with Harry's is very easy. In fact, they offer a starter set. So if you're wondering to yourself, well, how do I do it? How do I try out Harry's? They've got an amazing deal on a starter set. You use my code, which is Snell, my last name, and you can get the starter set for $10. They also give 1% of their sales and 1% of their time back to the communities they serve. They bought the factory, the razor factory in Germany that crafts some of the world's highest quality blades. It's owned by the Harry's people now, and they sell their products at those factory direct prices, so they cost a fraction of the big brands. More than a million people have made the switch to Harry's. The website's super pretty and easy to use, takes less than 30 seconds to place an order. I can attest to that because I just did that. The uh, the set, that starter set, you get a handle, you get three blades, and you get your choice of the shaving cream or the foaming shave gel. I like the cream, not the gel. Delivered to your door you know, if you like minty smells, get the cream. If you like musky smells, get the gel. That's basically the uh, the difference between them. And I like the minty smells. Shipping free. So go to harrys.com right now as a special offer for incomparable listeners. You get $5 off your first order with code SNELL. That's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and enter code SNELL. Thank you to Harry's for sponsoring The Incomparable. My gut feeling is that 
this needs to be something that is is new, like Bree said. It needs to not feel like a retread of something. And I feel like the danger of get, of jumping too far back into something something that's an anthology is that you really do want to establish uh, establish some characters, and you want to you want you want to you know, make people attached to those characters, just like the people who said, oh, well, this new Star Trek that's coming out is no good because it doesn't have Kirk and Spock. And then there's a whole new generation, uh, so to speak, who loved uh, Picard and and uh, Data and, you know, maybe somebody like Troy. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, so that's what I feel like needs to happen is is whether it whether it's a crew and a ship fundamentally or whether it's some characters who are in this world that includes the spaceships and the exploration and all that i don't know but i feel like it needs to be uh it needs to be modern like brie said it needs to be these episodes need to all tie together they need it needs to be bingeable right it needs to be it needs to play all of the tricks of 2015 and so so when i say this i I mean this i again i'm not trying to cross various franchises here but what the bbc did in 2004 when they hired russell t davis to bring back doctor who was they found somebody who is an established talented tv writer who also happened to be a fan of doctor who and said what would you do? And what Russell T. Davis did was say, I want to make it like Buffy. Not, I want to make it like Doctor Who was in 1976, but I want to make it like Buffy because that's a modern-ish show that has a sensibility that is much more what we should be doing now. And I feel like that's what Star Trek needs. Is they need somebody to say, I want this to be kind of like, I don't know, Daredevil or, or you know, so, something something like that, or the Flash, or whatever whatever that touchstone is, it needs to be like this kind of show, not 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 necessarily in terms of the content because it needs to be Star Trek, but in terms of the tone and how you make a show and how you tell stories on a streaming service in 2017. And yeah, it probably is going to have to involve a spaceship because it's Star Trek. I think you're right, but I would love to see something about it that makes it not the you know continuing repeatable one-off right. missions of the starship xyz and makes it something that feels modern and i don't know how you do that that this is why none of us are going to be hired to do this but i i, I keep going shut back. up so, sorry david uh <laughs> the resume is in the mail cbs um but but i i want to i want to so i want to admit that it's probably going to be a show like with a with a with a, a spaceship and a captain and a crew but i i want to come back to what Bree said because i think that's true too it needs to feel different and modern in a way that we don't all go oh great here we go again there's <laughs> going to be another episode where they're stuck in time and another episode where there's a mysterious alien that turns out to be in their dreams and you know I, and that's why i would also say it needs to be somebody who's never done star trek before in any form even somebody like ron moore i just don't want to see it i don't want to see anybody i want somebody who grew up loving next generation or deep space 9 or voyager and I want them, but is or, now or established. Enterprise. No, nope. uh, but, or, but, <laughs> but is now established doing their own stuff. Who's like, you know what? I will take a crack at it. The only exception to that, I would watch Manny Cotto do whatever he wants. I don't know. I mean, again, I don't think I don't think referencing the past as fun as that was for old fans is going to be the way to do it. I think like what, what Russell Davis did with Doctor Who was there was a little bit there for the fans to go, oh yeah, I get that, but nobody needed to know any of it and i think that that is what star trek needs is is no history required to do it right and and i mean that's the beauty of peter david's new frontier books is that it's a nice blend of the continuing intrigue of deep space nine while still having a ship while still having all these other you know it is a larger arc without being overwhelming so brie i, I want to talk to you about how you put uh how you put a a, a crew together because it's funny when we talk about Star Trek, even the modern Star Trek by 2015, 2017 standards is not as diverse <laughs> as we would like to see. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the one of the interesting challenges here is that even stuff that seemed groundbreaking at the time, and that's true the, even back to the original series, right, is not is not true today. So I think one of the real challenges is to and I, I think I think I would even say they will fail if we look at the crew and it turns out to be that it's first off mostly mostly human and mostly men and then you will have the occasional well it's mostly men but there there are a couple of women and some of the men aren't white so we're good right i i feel like 
th- this the, our, the, even just in the ten years since Enterprise, we are not. You know that kind of that kind of stuff is not going to fly. This this is needs to be a reflection of 2017, not a reflection of 2000 or 1965. Well, I feel like it's worth saying. You know, um, I'm somebody that talks about diversity a lot, and so I feel like I have enough credibility to say this. The mission is not to fill a bunch of check boxes, right? Like the mission is to make really, really, really excellent characters that have conflict and play off of each other and build each other up and, you know, have chemistry in that way. Yeah, I sometimes feel that with this diversity conversation, it, it does feel like that itself is, is the mission objective. But I think you can have both. Um, I was I was tweeting the other day about how you can look at um, someone actually went through and watched every episode of Star Trek ever and looked at how they did it, the Bechdel test. And, you know, it was very bad with TOS, better with um, you know, TNG, DS9. It reached its zenith with Voyager, where an astonishingly high percentage of the episodes passed that, then plummeted with Enterprise. And then, you know, if you look at J.J. Abrams' movies, I would guess that they're, you know, continue this trend downwards. So, um, you know, it's it's something we need to see. And, you know, that doesn't just mean women. It means, you know, I think we're having more conversations about gay people than we did when Enterprise was on the air. I think transgender people is something we talk about a lot more. So I just, I want to see, I want to see more of that. You know, Felicia Day had a fantastic blog when, um, you know, Into Darkness came out talking about where are the female captains? You know, like, where are they? They're, they're a bunch of Star Trek captains sitting at a table and there are no women, you know? And I, I think you're right that it's just not going to feel authentic. And frankly, you know, women are a very important part of the geek audience today. And we need to be, you know, our money is just as good as anyone else's. So, you know, include us in the Star Trek vision, which is people working together of all different backgrounds. Like, that's the whole point. <laughs> I mentioned this in a previous episode, but again, to bring it back to the Doctor Who thing, because I think that's a model for taking an old franchise and, and doing something new with it that that is still true to the original, is the old Doctor Who audience, when you went to these conventions, was a whole bunch of uh, of men who came to it in the 70s or the 60s or maybe the 80s, you know, getting older every year. And then if you go to a Doctor Who convention now, it is young and it is, it is female predominantly. And that is because they gave it a shot in the arm and they made it's something that was more expansive and spoke to a broader audience and star trek has to do that or it will just continue to wither and die if it, it needs to not eat its eat its own tail and that that uh that goes to a lot of breaking a lot of uh maybe uh unwritten rules about what star trek's supposed to be i mean it's like someone just asked the newly elected prime minister of canada why is your you're, you're putting together your cabinet why is your cabinet uh, gender balanced, and he said, "Because it's 2015." <laughs> you know, love it. Love it. Uh, and and I mean, just to, as you guys were talking just now, I was thinking the easiest way to fix the problems with the original series is to you know let the other characters talk once in a while. Uh, it would be nice to know more about Uhura and Sulu, and you know, uh, and there's no reason why they couldn't have done that. Mo- modern TV is all about. I mean, that's why I mentioned characters earlier. Modern TV. This is the thing: is you cannot get away with even. Even the characters that we saw in the new, what we think of as new Star Trek series like Deep Space Nine and Next Generation, those were little tiny character bits scattered in standalone episodes over the course of many years, right? But if you look at modern television, that's not going to do it. Right. Like you need characters who are where where we care as much about the characters as we do about the plot, because that's how TV works now is is you spend time with these characters and you really get attached to them and you tell an ongoing story. Um, and it's the story of the characters as much as it is the story about what happens this week. And you can't avoid that. If you do that again, I think you risk just failing as a as a show. And I think Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones has proven that people like epic kind of uh, shows with hundreds of characters Mm. and people can actually keep track of them. So we don't need to limit ourselves to five characters who are on the same ship and they always go off and do these adventures. They can splinter it and make it, you know, 14 ships with different crew. Maybe that may be too many, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but you can make it, you can have a big playing space. 
Exactly. You should have Trek. a big playing space. We're talking about all of it's the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah. Star Trek is a huge <laughs> body of uh, stuff that they can draw from. You can have, you know, you can basically do Game of Thrones only with Star Trek. Probably less nudity and blood, but uh, maybe yeah, I, I don't know. it is streaming. That's true. It's not but broadcast. It's CBS streaming. Yeah, and yeah, they are selling true. it internationally. This, that's the other part that I didn't mention when we were talking about the business angle of this is that is that uh, when he was interviewed about this uh, the day after the announcement, Les Moonves said, "Look, my international sales guy is beside himself because we, you know we we are already making the deals to sell this show into international markets, and um, it's going to pay. It, basically, it's going to pay for itself uh, before we even make it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, for for them to put it on." All access. This is a loss leader for them. They're going to make all their money internationally, and they'll get people to subscribe to this as a result here, because you can only subscribe to it here, right? You won't even be able to do that in Canada, as far as I know. This week's edition of The Incomparable is sponsored in part by Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered, American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. Listen, you spend a third of your life sleeping. I've actually been sleeping a little bit less lately, and it makes me very sad, but I slept in today, and that makes me very happy. And I did it on a Casper mattress. Casper brings two comfy technologies together. They like to talk about you having better nights and brighter days. Why are your nights better? Why are your days brighter? Because you've slept well on a Casper mattress, that's why. Casper mattress is a combination of two different materials. There's latex foam. It is squishy and comfortable. That's on the top. There's memory foam beneath that provides you with uh, support. And together, you know, the, the phrase is just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. And I got to say, it's true. It feels good. It's supportive. Very comfortable mattress. I've been sleeping on one for more than a year now, and I love it. But you know what the best part about Casper may be? The fact that there's a risk-free trial and return policy. It will come to you in a box. You open it up, and it expands to fill the space, sort of sucks in the air from your room, and you've got a full-size mattress. You can lay on that mattress for up to 100 days. And if you're not satisfied, you call them, and they will take it away for free. It's pretty great because if you're laying on a bed in a store for five minutes, you really can't tell whether you're going to be happy with that mattress. Casper costs 500 for a twin, up to about 950 for a king. And if you compare that to industry averages for mat- mattresses, it's a pretty good price point. And also, it comes to your door. You don't have to go shopping at the mattress store. And now, I can make that deal even better. $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash Snell and using my name, Snell, as the code at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for sponsoring The Incomparable. I wonder how many episodes they're going to make. I mean, I, I think I think one of the things that worries me about this, I, I, as I love, I love us being able to blue sky this thing, right? Because nothing's been, <laughs> nothing exists. It's like an empty right. box. It's just, right. it's Star Trek and it's coming in 2017. And what's it about? Who's doing it? Nobody knows. Who's in it? Nobody knows, right? So we can do that. <laughs> I like that. What worries me about it is that it isn't, it is an empty box that, that <laughs> nobody knows. And, and, and who, who's, who's that going to be and how are they going to do it? And, uh, and it's a little scary that they don't have a vision that they're looking for somebody who has a vision um, because that's not normally how you do something like this. I mean, they've got Star Trek backing it and that's good, but it's not, you know, it, it, it is, it is uh, scary a little bit that the, the, I think the reason this came out was because word was getting around that they were interviewing writers and asking them what their vision was for Star Trek. I don't know. Um, they didn't ask me, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I do also to... wonder about the mechanics, like I, how many episodes, like you said. I also wonder if they're going to do what, you know, Yahoo Screen did and premiere a community episode every week. Or are they going to do, you know, once a week there's a new Star Trek episode? Or are they just going to put everything, the Netflix model it's, of, it's of throw everything I, I'd imagine, I would imagine it would be one be a week. Sequential. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I would think that they would just stretch yeah. it out one a yeah. week. They want to revolutionize things, but not that much. Not that much, no. <laughs> it's a slow no. revolution. Because they want you to come back at an appointed time. It may not be that specific hour, but it'll be that day. It's like all the new comics come out on Wednesday. I feel like it'll be, it's, yeah. it's that sort of thing where they've got something new. I, but yeah, I, I think I think this is all a question. And, and if it does well, there's also the question of like, does this become 
what what are the creative possibilities? Because we don't, we don't even know. Like, could you do different? You know, like what Marvel's doing with their TV series on Netflix is they're kind of interconnected, but they're not the same show every time. So that's a possibility. Or would they? Or would they rather just say, well, you know, if these thirteen do well, then we'll order another thirteen, and then we'll just order another thirteen. I don't know. Right. It might be a blend of both. It might. I mean. This is the place that gave us NCIS New Orleans and NCIS LA oh. and CSI Miami and CSI New York and yeah, and they all make money. <laughs> and they all make money. <laughs> they do. So and and the thing that is depressing about that is that they are essentially interchangeable. You know, I would I would hope that whatever they do with Star Trek if they do decide to do more than just one concept or one series is that they would let them each have their own personality like the Marvel stuff. I I would hope that they're smart enough to do that based on the reaction to all the Marvel and, and DC stuff. But we'll see. And let's, let's not, uh, I love Star Trek. I have a Star Trek podcast. What? I'm saying this what? because I'm going to no. say something mean about Star these, Trek. These lies. Uh, <laughs> but let's not pretend that, uh, every episode of Star Trek is this golden, perfect masterpiece that exists now. There are, plenty of, whoa, whoa, there are plenty whoa. of episodes of Star Trek that could be, any series of Star Trek. It doesn't matter. There was an, I was watching an episode of Voyager where they beamed down to a planet and I had no idea if I was watching The Next Generation or Voyager. It had a, a fountain and there was an atrium. It was exactly <laughs> the same. Do. So... Well, if you're a real fan of Star Trek, you'd be able to tell from the lighting and just know it instantly. Uh, uh, well, I, I, could tell, I could tell it was a Voyager episode because of the poor yeah. characters. But Oh, okay. Harry okay. <laughs> Kim was in it. But I was say, we're, we're, weirdly <laughs> enough, it's a Star Trek, any Star Trek episode could be any episode of NCIS, too. So they're really just they're <laughs> firing true. on all cylinders there. Scott Bakula. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So. There's a crossover right there. <laughs> well, it is it is true that uh, CBS has... has that, that you know, Les Moonves is a smart bu- businessman, and um, they see value in Star Trek, which I'm encouraged by. And uh, you know, I I think that I think that that's all good. I, I would love to see them have the problem of saying, "How do we do more of this?" Um, my my reluctance about the all access thing is that um, it sounds to me like something that is marketed at existing rabid Star Trek fans. And not at establishing a new audience, and the yeah, fact that they're going to ghettoize, yeah, the fact that they're going to broadcast the 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 premiere on CBS at least is a, a hey, first one's free, everybody. At least that is like trying to build an audience for it. But when I think about like those shows on the CW that have young fans, right? Young young fans, yeah, yeah. Lots of young people are watching on streaming now, but I'm not sure lots of young people would have found. Arrow or The Flash or iZombie or something like that or Doctor Who if the only way to get it was on a on a pay streaming service especially one that their parents didn't already have because it's Netflix right or because they've got Amazon Prime so that that concerns me but the ratings for Flash and Arrow are not very good Right, people are not watching on the CW. By CW standards, they are. The, and in fact, the Flash is actually good enough to be on. Like it makes mm, pretty close to like main broadcast network ratings. But it is it's a scale thing. It's totally a scale thing. The CW never is never going to have CBS or NBC. But, I, but that's that's irrelevant. What I'm what I'm saying is that it, it's in a place where it has it has built a fandom, and that is something that I'm not sure CBS All Access can provide. But that's why they're announcing it over a year in advance. I mean, my kids did not want to watch Supergirl when it was on the TV in the room Monday night at 8. And then the next day when it was like, well, how was it? Eh, it was pretty good. And then they go and find it on, on the iPad and, and the Apple TV. And I think that's where it's going to kick in, is where you have parents who have already gotten it and are already subscribing because they... You know, how long have we been saying I want CBS shows on Hulu? Well, all right, this is not on Hulu, but less Moonves. Um, but, you know, I'm like I said, I'm getting it for Colbert. Everything else is gravy. And I don't really watch anything else but Supergirl right now. I think Jason's point is is something to 
think about though because I don't want and what I don't want it to be is some kind of perfectly craft nostalgia bomb mm. uh, that appeals to existing Star Trek fans because we're already fans so that doesn't really help I want more people to like Star Trek so that they will continue to make more Star Trek things oh I know I'm not I'm not saying that's who's gonna subscribe I'm saying it's the people who are already subscribing because CBS. Right, it's not necessarily. I'm not sure how many of those yeah. people are. <laughs> I don't think that's a big audience. Well, I don't know. So I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a little rapid fire around here because uh, it's me. <laughs> and gonna, shall we draft I, something, I, Jason? I, I'm interested. It's like no. I wish we could draft something right now, Dan. But I don't. Firefly. Know, I don't Calm know yourself. what that would be. Calm yourself. Take your so, medication. I, but I, I, but I, I'd take like less to know everybody's movies. take on some possible things that they could do, and whether you would like them to do it or not. So my first question is. Um, J.J. Abrams universe, original Star Trek universe, or entirely new variation on Star Trek universe? Uh, Bree, what do you think? Uh, I'm good with whatever. I think I would be fine with J.J. Uh, Abrams universe because it's kind of giving them permission to reinvent everything that's gone uh, before it. But I don't feel st- I think either way could be done well. Scott, what do you think? I think J.J. Abrams universe because it just like reset, it gives them the freedom to just reinvent stuff. Uh, so, you know, there are no dilithium crystals. And people will be like, what? That's crazy. Everything's powered by cookies or something. I don't know. <laughs> mm. Once again, I am Whoa. not getting the call to write. By Keebler. I can't do it, Captain. The cookies have crumbled. <laughs> something like that. David, what do you think? Uh, I'm also going to go with JJ Universe because, again, it lets them reinvent everything. You know, the IDW comics are doing that really well. And and this becomes their agents of Shield. This promotes. The, oh, I hope not. This is <laughs> well, no. Except you know, good. Yeah, um, I don't know if the connections are that strong though. Between the that, that's the thing is that it's it, it's just the name. Although Ag- it's just yeah. the name. Agents of Shield is like that now too because the Marvel TV and movies are not done by the same group of people. Dan, what do you think? You know, I was leaning towards the the original universe, but I think you guys have all swung me over to either the J.J. Abrams universe or just an entirely new universe because of that ability to go anywhere, do anything, not be burdened by the years and years and years of baggage left in there. So right. I think the J.J. Abrams universe could be interesting, but I also think it would be interesting like if they like sort of did like a next generation from TOS thing where it's like we're going to set it out like a couple hundred years after the J.J. Abrams universe and still have lots of room in there for people to do other things but i also think an entirely new universe gives you a ton of opportunities there's enough established things that you can sort of point to and be like yep it's star trek you know don't forget it's still star trek but we can also still distance ourselves and do all these new things but it it would be it would be quite a a middle finger extended to paramount if cbs (laughs) launched a star trek series with kirk and spock and mccoy with different actors it's like no we got our own we got our own characters i think that sinks everybody though (laughs) I, (laughs) i will say i bet part of the whole rights tangle was resolved by saying, we'll do it in the same universe with different characters and we won't touch your movies and you won't touch our show. Yeah, that that, that could Goodbye. be. I, yeah. I do, I, why even do it in the same universe? Well, at that point? well, well I, I think that, that that's why that was one of the options. Although, uh, you know, I, I agree. I think for the comic book reasons of tangled continuity and you end up having to, to fulfill, you know, this litany of all these past shows that you don't go and say, we're going to set it post, or sorry, post Voyager in the old... Uh, original TV universe, even though that might be fun because, you know, you, you can't, you're not allowed to go back and tell the same stories over again, like, you know, Star Trek Into Darkness. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think it's just shackled by the continuity of it. So you'd be better, you'd be better off picking up the sound effects and the art direction and things like that, 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 that a feature film spent lots of money doing, and you can just sort of lift it i was gonna say you know what you do here is you you take a page from what the cw has done with arrow and flash those are both things connected to a gigantic mono you know like all this continuity from years and years but they're like they're not afraid to go and do totally different things and change characters and change things when they want to but they also don't mind putting in you know a tip of the hat to continuity that came before and even just you know not beholden to the continuity but referencing it when they feel like it and and I think that's been wildly successful in that case. So, you know, I, I don't mind if they start off on a new Star Trek universe as if they're going to sort of be able to have that, essentially have their cake and eat it too in that way. Well, and thanks to Spock Prime and everything they set up in the first of the new movies, you can have that 
as another alternate universe to visit once in a while, just like you had the Miru universe. Uh, so my next question for everybody is going to be, uh, would you rather see a crew on a spaceship, a crew on a space station, or something completely <laughs> different? Scott? I would like to see a space station on a spaceship. With no crew. <laughs> with no crew. <laughs> Even better. Uh, Robots or not. Bree, what do you think? Well, I think I think the something that's gonna be really key, Jason, is what you were talking about earlier, that kind of bingeable state with it. And I think there's gonna have to be like a a kind of complex tapestry that's going on here. So I think I want to see a spaceship because I think that's kind of the the thrill of a new Star Trek, right? Um, you get to like see the new Enterprise, wherever that new ship is. But I think like. It's clearly, for it to really work as a bingeable show, you're going to have to see them like interacting with the Federation more. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be going to a new planet every, every week. week. So yeah, I, I think it's kind of going to be both. Cool. Dan? I, I was going to say I really liked, I think, Scott, you suggested the sort of the Game of Thrones, you know, mm-hmm. parallels to the big cast. I, I almost kind of dig something like that. Like maybe there's a crew off on a spaceship and then there's a crew back home on a space station. Maybe there's some interplay between those two. Maybe there's multiple spaceships. I don't know. But I like the idea of something that's got really just big scope. Dan, you're it. just reinventing Deep Space Nine again. <laughs> yes. Wait, hold on. Let me think about this. There's a space station. It's, it should be Cardassian. Can Michael Dorn be on this show? No. He should. <laughs> Michael Dorn can be on every show. Oh, no. Uh, David, what about you? Something different or a ship or a space station? I I, I mean, complex tapestry. I mean, that's exactly it. You know, it has everything. If I had to pick between spaceship and space station, it'll be a ship every time. As much as I love Deep Space Nine. I, I you know, I remember in our uh, in our, our TV character draft, I did I did craft the workplace sitcom that's set on a Starfleet uh, <laughs> spaceship where they where they're hosting a late night. No, yeah, mm-hmm, sure, and uh, <laughs> it's like no, it was like the West Wing, really, the West Wing in in space. But I agree, I feel like you need a you you need a mission that 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 unravels, you know, and lasts an entire season. There's got to be an ongoing storyline, not not Planet of the Week. I think that's the way modern TV is told. And uh, and yeah, the characters are going to be important. So they may start on a ship or they may get start on a space station, get assigned to a ship and then have to go to a planet and and the, and the story continues. But they might get assigned um, to a planet but, and have to go to a ship. But it's I know just, it's and the ship is on a planet, wizard. which is on a space station. It's very confusing. Maybe, maybe you follow one storyline <laughs> at Starfleet Academy and then you follow that character as he goes and interacts. So or she goes and maybe you are that character. Oh, my God. <gasps> That's so, right, virtual reality. I think I think though that I think though that that Bree is right that it is Star Trek and at its core there's going to need to be a ship that's like the ship of the show and that is going to be uh, uh, an important part of it even if it is not we have seven characters and they work on a ship and every week they go to a new planet because although that is a Star Trek trope it is also it do, it doesn't feel modern. And I think we can all agree on holodecks. <laughs> yes. all don't have them all the time the no this is... time for sure they've got all the wrinkles worked out that's right it's 95 percent holodeck actually I, then just at the end at the end of the season Riker walks in and goes in program <laughs> <laughs> and he says that one didn't work yeah, yeah they just for perfect freedom you just start a new one every season Riker and Les Moonves walk in and say end program <laughs> <laughs> It'll, he'll just he'll just start a mentalist episode. That's right. He'll say, "Are you happy now, nerds?" <laughs> <laughs> he count he counts his money from the from the CBS All Access and then shuts down the computer. The end. I'm excited. It is exciting, isn't it? To new Star Trek. I mean, I remember that moment in what whatever 2003 2004 where B, the BBC said, "We don't know what's happening, but Doctor Who will be back in 2005, and we're working it out." And that was still really damn exciting because we have talked about it on this podcast a bunch. Like, why aren't they doing more? Star Trek. Star Trek is a TV show. It, it deserves to be a TV show. And uh, it is exciting that it's not just like rumor. When, Monday morning, it was like rumor has it that they're working on a Star Trek development, something or other. And then the press release comes out and it's like, nope, January 2017, whole new Star Trek series premieres done. It's like, wow, well, that is, you know, exciting. And, and it is the parallel to, you know, just a, with this with Star Wars, which which David brought up before as being sort of suited to the movies. But for all, you know, 
post prequels we had Clone Wars and we had you know a little bit of Rebels, Rebels. later on. They're both good, but I think you know that doesn't compare to the announcement that they were going to start making new Star Wars movies, right? Because once yeah. again, it is sort of marrying the form factor and the actual storytelling into the shape that it should be. And so I think it is really exciting that that Star Trek is coming back to TV because it does seem like the the medium in which that story was meant to be told. I, I guess I would say this. I would say this. And, you know, I say this with all respect to longtime fans, but, you know, it seems to me that when Voyager came out, fans screamed from the hills, and they, 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 I hear it all the time. They don't like that show. And then Enterprise came well, out. What do you expect from hill people? Right, exactly. <laughs> and they were, and they were very angry. They, they picked it apart. And, you know, then after that, it's like, it's like, well, are you happy now? We haven't had Star Trek on TV in a decade. And I really, I, I think a danger of this show coming out is invariably the formula is going to have to be tweaked yeah. some. It cannot yeah. be just a, an echo of the past. And I, I say this with all respect, but I think fan rage if they do what they need to do to make this appeal to a younger audience, I think that is going to be a real risk of this show. So I would ask all the incomparable listeners, which I, I hope you were nice, reasonable, open-minded course, people. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I, I hope you will give this a fair chance, you know, because it's, it's not, it's not really about our individual tastes as much as it's about the longevity of the franchise. Cause I want, you know, I want teenagers a hundred years from now to be watching Star Trek and, you know, like th- it's going to have to change for that to happen. Well, this is, I mean, in the, uh, to, to go back to Dr. Who for a second, this is the thing that happened is there were some really cranky people to this day are like, yeah. Oh, I don't watch the new series. It's not proper Dr. Who and all that. But the fact right. is most of the Dr. Who fans of the classic series are like, yeah, it's back and it's modern. It's actually better <laughs> because it's modern. And, and, and you, there's some, there's some drama and there's some people who are unhappy about it. But in the end, I think that most people would agree that that is uh, better that it be active and vibrant and different than that. It just be dead. And the people yeah. who would rather it be dead and never change, you can't you can't win with those people, so you just leave them in the hills where they're shouting. <laughs> if they do the right, if they do it like they did Doctor Who, they made enough changes to make it appeal to a mainstream audience, so they could alienate the hardcore Doctor Who fans because it doesn't matter because enough people like it. Uh, the problem with Enterprise, for example, is that they it wasn't good enough to appeal to a mainstream audience, and they made the Star Trek fans angry. So you're <laughs> yeah. alienating everybody. <laughs> Modern storytelling for modern audiences, and you got to do it. The the fact is, bringing back Doctor Who meant let's make it more like Buffy, not let's make it like old Doctor Who, and that that was the right decision, even though it seems weird and scary. And a 2017 <laughs> audience is not going to want to watch a show from 1990. I can't wait until the 2050 audience. Like I, that show, that kind of show is just going to be incomprehensible to me. It's going to be like so frenetic. <laughs> it's just like explosions every 30 seconds. That's what being an old person is, Dan. Just ask the people who watch CBS. <laughs> oh, where, where is criminal minds? We can't talk suspect. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Take that, oh. Les Moonves, rich, successful oh. business. Cry yourself to sleep <laughs> on your giant piles of money, Les Moonves. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> it, it, this has been fun. New Star Trek in the world soon. I'm very excited about that. Uh, just it's just like a, a like four months after the 50th anniversary of the premiere of Star Trek is when this thing's going to come on. So that's uh, pretty cool. I would like to thank my panel of uh, Star Trek experts will say uh for joining me to talk about this uh, uh scott mcnulty thank you as always thank you jason live long and prosper uh, may the force be with you <laughs> there we go <laughs> scott i've never loved you more than i love you in this moment <laughs> dan morin um jedi mind trick something vulcan r2d team beat, beat me down captain <laughs> uh, david lore thank you Thank you. I, I, I just want to say, Les, Alex, call me. I'm I'm free. Uh, I just want to know. He'll work for free is what he means. Why haven't we seen Luke? Where is Luke? Mm, interesting. And uh, Brianna Wu, as always, a pleasure to talk Star Trek with you. Thank you. Thank you. Give me, CBS, give me a woman captain on the show, and I will sing your praises from the hills. Like, make it happen. Well, let me with tell you, the, the token, like, well, this has got two women characters in it. It's not going to fly anymore, you know? It's not <laughs> it is fly. not. No, it is not. It's not going to fly. Not just, on my Twitter, at least. They might even yeah. get to talk to each other. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine uh. that. 
All right, and to everybody out there, thank you. Uh, stay tuned for our wall-to-wall coverage of new Star Trek starting in 2017. <laughs> but until then, probably wall-to-wall coverage of Star Wars is just around the corner. Uh, so many stars, so many wars, so many treks. Uh, I have been your host, Jason Snell. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.